friends, welcome to episode 158 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Doris Swift, and I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And this episode is very impactful and powerful. And if you have ever experienced a time where you wondered where God was and questioned faith and went through some really hard, difficult seasons or know someone who might be going through that right now, would you please share and make sure that they can listen to this episode as well? Because my guest today is Janet Perez Eccles, and she has gone through so many seasons of difficult times in her life, including going blind at a very young age when she was a young mom with young kids and she was living the dream. And then next thing you know, she was losing her eyesight. Things happened in her marriage. And then she also faced a very tragic thing with one of her children. And so this episode is going to really encourage, inspire, and challenge you. And we are talking about Janet's book and her newest book, which is Now I See How God's Amazing Grace Transforms the Deepest Pain to Shining Joy. And she is just the epitome of joy. She is a joyful, joyful servant of the Lord. And I know that her story is going to encourage, inspire, and challenge you. And I was actually in the room when her award was announced for this amazing book, but she is such an inspiration. So stay tuned. Don't miss this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to welcome my guest. Blindness did not slow her down, nor tragedy stop her. As an author, international speaker, and founder of JC Empowerment Ministries, Janet Perez Eccles gives a new meaning to God-given victory and success. And I know Janet personally, and she is an amazing woman of God with a very powerful story, and you're going to want to stay tuned. Welcome to the show, Janet. It's so great to have you on today. Thank you, Doris. It's my blessing. Oh, thanks so much. This is just awesome. And I know it's a divine appointment for our listeners today. You know, you're tuned into this by no accident. Uh, Something that Janet is going to share today is going to really bless you and encourage you in so many ways. And we never know when words that the Lord gives us can change the trajectory of someone's life. So we are open to the Holy Spirit leading. And Janet, I would love if you would share a little about your story, how you are powerfully taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Oh, I love that. Yes, that's exactly what happens. So it's the intersecting great things happen, right? Well, let me tell you about my intersection, how in my, uh, I guess you could say sad moments or tragic moments turn to victory and it's a beautiful place. So I'm going to just walk you through a little bit of that. When I was 30, by that time, my life was like a dream come true. We moved, my parents, my brother and I moved from Bolivia, came to the land of opportunity. We landed in Miami with big old papers, by the way. (laughs) And so we just decided 
we are going to live the life of dreams, right? That was back in 1964, and it was like that. Grew up, we learned to speak English quickly, went to school, I was always in the animal. My senior year in college, I met my white gringo, don't you know? <laughs> and fell in love, got married, he got a, got a CPA certification. We were doing well, and I was doing what I always wanted to do, and that is stay home and take care of our three little boys. Yes, life had turned into a dream for this little Bolivian chica <laughs> until the day that my world began to fall apart. I was diagnosed with a disease of the retina called retinitis pigmentosa when I was 13, but the doctor said, ah, oh, she doesn't have anything to worry about. She will see any effects until she reaches the age of 60. But they were wrong because when I turned 30 and my little boys were three, five, and seven, I began to see the effects of the disease. It began to close in from the sides. It became so difficult to drive. It, came, it got to the point where I couldn't really do it anymore. I couldn't see the cars to the sides or the traffic light. And I was so afraid I'd hit, hurt somebody or my little boy. So I decided to stop driving. But not only that, I had to stop doing a lot of things because it closed in so quickly. I would run into things in the kitchen, trip over the kids' toys, missteps. And in desperation, we sought ophthalmologists, specialists, herbal healers, acupuncturists, someone to give us hope somehow to be able to tell us, okay, now we can stop the progression of the disease. But no one was able to help us. So what does a good Catholic girl do? Pray. I prayed and begged and prayed and prayed for a miracle. And nothing happened. God was silent. And in a matter, I want to say about 18 months, my, the little vision I had closed it completely, leaving me totally blind in darkness, no colors, no shadows. And I was horrified because that meant the rest of my life, I would live in darkness, being blind. And I hated my life because I was always very active, you know, with three little mm -hmm. boys, you got places to go and take care of them. But there I was physically in darkness until my husband came home one night and he said, I have to talk to you. I can't go on with this marriage. I have somebody else in my life. So that physical darkness turned, turned into an emotional darkness from that rejection. I felt unloved. I felt ugly. I felt like God was punishing me. And I think, Doris, today, a lot of people may feel the same way. What, what is God with all the stuff that's going on, the chaos, the turmoil, the anxiety, suicide rates off the charts? Where is God? Well, that's where I was. Was he listening? Did he even care? And in my agony, sometimes I just wanted to give up. But I couldn't because my little boys, like I said, were three, five, and seven. They needed me. You know, mommy, I want to drink. Mommy, he's hitting me. You know how they are. And so I had to keep going. And I would just grope my way through the kitchen, try to take care of them, fix their meals, put them to bed, do the laundry. But inside of me, I was just dying. Until one day, something beautiful happened. Are we ready or do we have a commercial? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> what happened, Doris, is that a friend called me and invited me to her Christian church. And I thought, wait a minute, Catholic people don't go to Christian mm -hmm. churches? You know, we're Catholic, don't you know? But she said there'd be a healing service. And I thought, oh, that's where God's going to heal me. That's where he's going to perform the miracle that I'm begging for so long. And that's what I desperately want. So I went there and I thought, okay. Where is the healing? Where is the healing going to happen? 
Well, all I heard was teachings, Bible verses, some testimonies, music. And I thought, I want, I'm here for the healing. Like, well, when is this going to happen? They prayed over me. And I was appreciative of their prayers, but nothing happened. My vision was still the same. Nothing. Zero. Darkness. So I was discouraged. But not having any other option, I went, kept going back. And one day, I heard a verse on Matthew 6, 33 that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, I just held my breath. What is God saying to me? He's telling me him first. Well, see, what I wanted first is to be able to see again for my husband to love me one more time, for my marriage to heal and for me to be able to have a normal life. That was number one for me. But God was saying, seek me first. So inside my heart, I said, Lord, how do I seek you? You have to show me because I'm dying inside. And he answered that prayer right away. A friend gave me in the Bible an audio. I put on those headsets. Back then, they were on cassette tapes. I carried a little case with me, and I would listen to God's word day in and day out. And what happened is, is I heard those verses. They became real to me. See, I heard them before in mass and whatnot. But I heard them with my mind. But this time, I was so desperate. I was allowing his word to just filter into my heart. And what happened is that feeling of self-pity for me, why me, you know, feeling ugly and unlovable, that all kind of changed. Instead, I felt the peace and I felt the confidence in the Lord. And you know what else I did? I did a crazy thing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you what that is. Okay. What I did is I was listening to it. I began to believe what God was telling me. So when I read uh, some. 119, 105, when he says, my word will be a lamp to your feet and a light for your path. I said, Lord, how do you know? That's exactly what I need. I need you to lead me in my darkness. I need you to lead me step by step. I need you to light my path because I don't know where I'm going. So I'm going to believe that that's going to be you or be, will be the one who will be by my side guiding me. And then I also believe when he said that he plans he has for me to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me a hope. And what else? Oh, future. You say, as a blind person, I thought, what kind of future does a blind person, what kind of work could I possibly do? But God was saying, I'm going to give you a future. And I said, okay, Lord, if you're going to give me that future, I'm going to believe, hang on to it, and I'm going to see what the future is like. So all that anxiety, fear, I never really went into depression, but that agony of just being blind was so horrible to me. That all changed with expectation, with hope, and with a new kind of peace. And you know what else? This is really cool. Wisdom. Yes. I find wisdom in God's word. You know, I need a wisdom to be able to, to respond to my husband's announcement that he was leaving me. So I said to him, you know, I didn't force you to marry me. I'm not going to force you to stay with me either. You're free to go because I too have somebody else in my life. His name is Christ Jesus. Amen. Yes. So I wish I could have seen the expression on his face. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't. That was okay. Days later, he came back. He said, I made my decision. You see, he saw the change mm -hmm. in me. I wasn't this, oh, how good you bore me. I was confident. I was a new person. I didn't allow my blindness to define me anymore. I knew who I was. I was a child of the King of Kings, don't you know? 
And I think my husband noticed that change. So he came home and he said, I made my decision. I'm going to leave everything behind. I'm going to be devoted to you and our sons. Mm. And I said, now the old me, Doris, would have said, oh, thank you. Oh, honey. I said to him, "Mm -mm, not yet. You and I will never make it together unless we have Christ Jesus at the center of our marriage. And we have to start praying together. That's the only way. He agreed. We began to pray together, which is pretty awkward praying together. We never did that before. But we began to talk, became friends, fell in love all over again, and God healed that marriage. Wow. That's number one. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was one of the Oh, sections. my. That could so, be like a whole show in and of itself. It's There's so many powerful <laughs> pieces there and amazing nuggets of encouragement and truth and how you know, you were able to start listening to God's word and it was going right directly into your spirit and changing you from the inside out. That was a really powerful thing that happened. And that's the part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the desires yeah. of your heart. Yeah, of course, in the book, I relate all those other details that are in there and trying in there to, to see just God, how God's hand is so, so powerfully active and just when you just desperately call upon his name, blind or not, you know. So up to that point, Doris, my blindness, it was like, yeah, I can't see. But so what? It's inconvenient, but I still move on. So I learned to cook. I learned to clean the house. Um, I, my memory really sharpened. I memorized all kinds of phone numbers because we didn't have cell phones back then or with memory. So it, life became doable, but it became so much better. I had a joy that I never had before when I could see physically because you see now I see, I was seeing my life through Christ's eyes. Mm. And I had, like I said, a peace and a joy that I never had before. So what happened then is people wanted me to share my story. So I started to tell them about it and this and that. And then one day I started to write my story because I got a computer with a screen reader. So when I type, I can hear what I'm typing. So I don't need the screen. I don't need to see anything, but I can hear everything. So I wrote my story and that was my first book. I thought, oh, one day my kids would give it to their kids and they'll read about grandma one day, right? That's the same reason I wrote it. But then we published it and lo and behold, I was getting letters from women, Australia, Germany, England, telling me how my book had inspired them (laughs) for my writing career began. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was, it was a, a journey that God put me through because he was preparing me for something, something that could be, it was a tragedy, but he brought me to victory. We're ready for that episode? Yes, we are ready. (laughs) We are ready for that. (laughs) So obviously my faith, my, my knowledge of who God was, who God is, what he did, what he does, how he guides, how he supports and sustains us were so alive in me. And I was literally seeing it with my eyes, my heart, how he moved my, uh, the, the, his promise came true when he said, I will add all these things if you seek me first, right? Matthew 6, 33. Well, he added a career as an interpreter. I never thought I'd be working because remember, I'm fine, don't you mm-hmm. know? But uh, this, this career as an interpreter, I could do it over the phone. And I never had training, experience, education, but he allowed me to excel in spite of that. So I, I was getting awards for my work. 
And in addition to that, when I finished my shift of interpreting, I began to write. So life was good. I began a ministry. I started to travel to speak. But then something else happened that would test my faith even more. Um, one night, it was September 7, 2002. Our youngest son by then was 19, our Joe. He was captain of the football team. He was captain of the lacrosse team. He always attended his Bible study. He was handsome. He was a leader. Good sense of humor. Sometimes I would think, where did this kid come from? On that September 7th, he had gone out and we got a call late at night, at night telling us that he was wounded. We thought, who would have wounded my Joe? Everybody loved him. Got to the emergency room and we waited and waited. Had no idea what happened to him. So finally, the doctors walked in and I jumped on my feet and because they asked, are you the parents of Joe Eccles? I said, yes, where is he? How is he? When can we take him home? What happened to him? And the doctor said, we are so sorry, but the 23 stab wounds he had received caused him to lose so much blood. We did everything, but he's gone. And my world just crumbled. I said, Lord, how can that be? These things don't happen to people who know you, who follow you. Joe knew you too. How could you allow this to happen? So my, it was just agonizing. I just, I just fell apart inside. Outwardly, I was calm, but in my agony, the reason I didn't go crazy, hysterical, was because I was hearing God's voice so clearly in my heart that said, be still and know that I am God. When he repeated that over and over, what he was telling me, he was the same God that he had helped me before. He was the same God who would give me the strength and the peace that he had done before. He knew my agony, he knew my pain, but he was giving me that promise and he wanted me to be so. The nurses would come run, running to me and go, ma'am, take this. And they would press a pill on my, the palm of my hand and give me a glass of water. Take this, ma'am. I think they thought that any moment that now I was going to go hysterical and just lose it. But I never did because I hung on to the Lord desperately, hung on to his strength. He needed to give me that strength to be able to console my parents, our other two sons, my husband. And I think through those moments, I could see that God understands he lost his son too, but there was glory that came after the death on the cross. And somehow there'll be glory after this tragedy for my son as well. Well, as peace filled my heart during those nights that I would wake up not believing my Joe was no longer with us, God reminded me that I'm going to see him again because two years prior, my Joe had accepted Christ as his savior. So I have the guarantee I'm going to see him again. And this time, I'm going to see him on my hands because the Bible says in heaven, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leave. So I'm waiting in expectation of that. Mm -hmm. So separation from my son, yes, it's painful, but it's temporary. So when I recognize all that, when I realize the power of that truth that we have guaranteed through Christ Jesus to be in heaven, have everlasting life, my sorrow then, turned to gratitude. How, how amazing it is that God would allow that path for us to be joined, to join again with our loved ones. So it then, when ministry turned into a uh, more impacting, uh, I guess I would say more profound illustration of what God can really do when you just turn to him. He is true to his promise. He will comfort us. He will give us the peace 
you will be by our side, never abandon us. But what I had to do again, Doris, is believe, believe and trust and know that he would do that. And when I did that, that's exactly what happened. Until a year later. Ready? Yes. <laughs> a year later, what happened was the man responsible was to be processed in a trial. What happened is that he I had pulled into a 7-Eleven parking lot. My son and his friend had done the same. They got out of their cars. My son didn't know the man was armed with a knife. He stabbed my Joe 23 times and he stabbed my son's friend seven times. Son, his friend survived, but Joe didn't. The man left, went home with a scratch on his cheek. But this trial was going to see justice be served. He had to be punished for what he had done. So the trial took three days and it was so extremely difficult because we sat on the hard bench just listening to the testimonies from the medical forensic doctor who was describing every one of those tablets that Joe received. And I thought, oh, that's my baby. And it was so, so painful. But I said, Lord, you have to help me endure this because justice needs to be served. This is necessary for us to be able to see your hand at work, the justice that only you can bring. At the end of the third day, the trial was over. We went back into the courtroom. Jury was ready with their verdict. We stood to our feet, and I grabbed onto my husband's hand, and I held my breath, and the verdict read, we find the defendant not guilty of all counts. He went home free. He pled self-defense. In Florida, we have a law that says, if your life is threatened, you're justified to kill the other person. This man's attorney's built a case on self-defense and he went home free. We went home devastated. Not even the prosecuting attorney or the judge could believe that verdict. And that's when I had a conversation with the Lord. Your word says that all things turn to good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. But I don't think I would ever be able to see how this painful injustice could ever turn to good. So went home again on our knees, praying for peace, trying to understand but God's word says to trust him, trust in him with all heart, not to lean on our own understanding, right? And acknowledge him in all our ways. And what he would do is he would direct, direct our, our path. And that's what he did. I had to stop trying to understand that injustice instead of just acknowledge God's presence and seek him even more. And he did a direct our path to a beautiful, beautiful ending. What he showed us that the only thing left for us to do is to forgive the man who killed our son. And that, that is the path that took us to the beautiful freedom that forgiveness brings. What joy, what peace it is to extend forgiveness to someone else. Now, not because he suffered punishment because he never did, but the Lord just says, forgive one another, forgive them. Because I think God is really uh, longing for us to live that freedom, not to be in that prison of bitterness, anger, resentment, but in that freedom that only forgiveness brings. So you see, even that turned out to be so wonderfully uh, victorious in Jesus. Wow. Yep. Don't know if we have more time because there's one more. Yes, yes. <laughs> Please keep going. That, what a precious message of hope. And encouragement right now for someone who's listening, who is struggling, maybe with some injustice, 
maybe unforgiveness that's harboring in their heart and just building just a toxic root of bitterness in there. And, you know, the bitter roots can be broken free with, with Jesus. And this is just such an encouragement in the victorious parts that come as you describe what happened in your life and how loss you, you realized the bigger picture of what this whole life is about and that this is not our home and it is temporary. But while we're here, you have been called to a powerful, fierce calling to bring these messages to others to share your experiences so that they in turn can find the hope in Jesus Christ. So yes, keep going with what you have to share. Yes, you are so right. And it is that calling. It's fierce. It's powerful. You can't deny it when it's in you. When God is is so beautifully displaying his fullness, it is a calling. And and we need to answer that call, right? We need to take those steps. Because someone like you just said to us, maybe feeling like, you know, I can't forgive that person after what they did to me. Or sometimes when I'm done speaking at, at a church or a women's conference or wherever it is, Sometimes afterwards, people come up to me and they say, you know, I can't forgive myself for what I did. And my heart just breaks. And I tell them, you're right. You won't be able to forgive yourself, not on your own. But when you turn to the Lord and ask him, Lord, set me free. Show me. How do I forgive? Guide me. He will be faithful. He will answer and you will be set free. So don't don't think that, you know, we got that that uh, knew those news that the man who killed our sons was set free and the next day we were already fine. It took weeks and weeks of prayer of seeking the Lord and eventually that God does, does answer. So another fierce calling of mine was to share how life can turn upside down when you least expect it. Not that I expected all these <laughs> other things to happen in my life, but this one was a little bit, um, I want to say possibly uh, just as painful. It turns out that, as, as I shared before, God healed our marriage. And after two, 42 years of being married, and actually on our first 42nd anniversary, wedding anniversary, my husband didn't take me out to dinner or bring me roses or anything. He was at the computer doing our finances because he was planning to leave me. Mm. I didn't know there was a dark side of him. He was a leader in our church, everybody loved him. He was kind, he was compassionate, he was extremely intelligent, successful. But I didn't know that inside he was carrying this this darkness about him. And so when I learned, you know, I was devastated, he saw counseling and finally he said, you know, I just have to be away and he left. And I thought, well, you know, I still have hope, maybe he'll come back healed. But instead he asked for a divorce. So there's just no other way and I just fell apart and said Lord how can this happen how can I continue with the ministry how can I minister to women to be strong and to to work in their marriage when mine just fell apart and it was it was so totally out of my control it was something I never expected or wanted it and never dreamed so it was not only my life was changing but the ministry that God called me to have was at risk of not being effective anymore but as I was praying I, I said just just, Lord, I, I just asked you three things. Number one, if loneliness should ever come, please take that from me. Because I've never been by myself. 
I got married. I moved from my parents' house to our, to our apartment when we got married. So I'd never in my life been by myself. So here I was alone, rejected, not understanding. Then the second thing I asked the Lord, allow me to just continue to take care of my mom because she lived with us. My mom and dad lived with us. And during this time of the divorce, my dad had cancer and he died here at home. So I had to deal with that. So it was just my mom and me. And the third thing I asked him, I said, Lord, I don't know how you'll do it, but you're going to have to show me how to begin this ministry again. I, I have to pick up the pieces. So I took a year off. And then after a year, my mom and I started attending a local church, a different church, new for both of us. Because by then, I had long left the Catholic church years and years ago. So we chose this Christian church and I started attending with my mom. And I thought, nobody here knows I'm a speaker. They don't know I'm an author. I don't teach Sunday school for women. I don't do anything. I'm just going to go there and be fed, right? Well, the pastor learned I was a speaker and he invited me to speak to all services one Sunday. And I thought, Lord, am I ready? How could I do this again? So God said, I called you. My call is fierce and that's powerful. And if it's my calling, I'll equip you. I'll allow you to do it. And he did. At the end of one of the last services that I spoke, a gentleman came up to me afterwards at the book table and he said, you know, I lost my wife two years ago and I was living in darkness. But you just lifted me up. You showed me how to move on. And I said, oh, I'm so happy. And I hugged him like I do everybody else. Well, he didn't know I attended that church. He had no idea. So the next Sunday, I saw him again. We chatted a little bit more. And then he emailed me. And one day he called me and he invited me to dinner. And you can imagine what happened. We'll be married three and a half years. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say, you know, it was a blind date. And the joke was on you. <laughs> You have a great sense of humor too, but wow, that is so sweet and precious. I love that so much. And he is amazing. At, and he was at the dinner too, when we had dinner together. So we had a great conversation. And so, wow, what a, what a blessing, yes. what a blessing that is. It is. And I think, you know, I think your listeners to fierce calling is something that it's no coincidence that they're listening to my story and to all the other podcasts you have because that has given us a message today in this turmoil, these hard times we're living in. I am still in control. I've not abandoned you. None of this takes me by surprise. I know your pain. I hear your sobs. I see your tears. I'm aware of them. But will you just turn to me? Will you trust me? Will you learn to see me through the eyes of my love? I have so much to offer you. And I think that's the essence of my calling in particular, Doris, to, to serve as an example that life sometimes isn't pretty. Sometimes it is very painful. But at the other side of pain, God says, my power is still at work. Will you allow me to show you? So what a privilege it is for me to be able to travel around the country and other countries using my white cane and write books to be, yes, everybody, wake up. God is speaking to us. Mm -hmm. Would you just listen and be able to see him? So yes, it is. It's pretty much a, a very, very intense and deep, appreciated blessing to do what I do. Yes, wow! And so that was a wonderful word right there. If nothing else was said, what you just said was something that so many need to hear. You know, the hope and encouragement that you just shared, and the message of the gospel, and. So I would love if you would share, Janet, how can our listener connect with you and find the books that you've written and more encouragement from you and connect in some way? 
Oh, absolutely. I love to hear from my readers and those who I connect with and they hear my story. I love to connect with them and pray for them. All they have to do is just go to inspirationforyou.com. All words spelled out, inspirationforyou.com, F-O-R-Y-O-U. And when they reach that website, they'll see a free gift for them. It's my fourth book titled Contagious Courage, Your 31 Journey to Overcoming Stress and Anxiety. So they'll get that free and they'll be signed up for my newsletter so I can continue to inspire them. And they'll have news about my new book, which I am beyond excited. Uh, The title is Now I See How God's Amazing Grace Transformed the Deepest Pain to Shining Joy. Actually, it's my memoir, which we'll be thinking may turn into a film. So that's coming up and we'll be able to hear news about Yes. yes. And thank you so much. That is so generous how you're offering that book on your website for free for people because especially now there's just so much in the world that's heavy and there are so many that are suffering from anxiety. And so this encouragement will really, really help them. So thank you so much, Janet. I hope to have you on again. This has been amazing. Yes. I'll give you an update. What else is going on? Right. right? But I told the Lord, Lord, I already have enough material. (laughs) Well, we can talk about that again. And then by then, God might have you writing something else. So you never know. But it's it's really amazing. And how your your calling and things that you were doing, you would have never aspired to do or even thought possible. But God is the God of the impossible. Nothing's impossible with him. And through the ways that he's equipped you and the technology that he's brought forth in order for you to be able to continue to walk in your fierce calling and, and connect with people. But I know that you probably love best when you speak and meet people in person because, you know, you have really impacted a lot of lives. So including your hubby. (laughs) So that was was great. So, well, thank you so much, Janet. And It's just been such a joy and a pleasure, and I cannot wait for this episode to air so uh, people can hear your message in your heart. And God bless you. You too, sweetie. Thank you so much for listening today. And I can attest that Janet is just as wonderful in person. She is just as sweet and filled with joy as she is when we were going through the episode. Even in the face of different adversities and trials and and things that she experienced in her life, it did not stop her from her fierce calling, even though there were seasons of really hard things. But I love how she talks about forgiveness and freedom and finding hope in Christ and to keep going. The essence of her calling sometimes isn't pretty, but she thinks that the essence of her calling in particular opens doors to serve as an example that sometimes, you know, really painful things that can help other people to walk through because on the other side of pain, the power is still at work and that is the power of the Lord. So I love that she shares these things with us and her journey As we said, it began with a dream come true, but then she faced these unimaginable challenges. And it's just a a powerful thing to hear how God answers prayer and he knows and sees us. So friend, if you are struggling today, know that God is not 
absent. He is there with you. And I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.